I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, please open the eyes and the ears and the hearts of the people here. Allow me to speak what's on your heart, Lord, to theirs. Please bring clarity in what I have to say, bring joy and bring peace to us as we grow in the knowledge of our Savior and the lover of our souls. Amen. Katrina is doing a series on I Am in Wolfboro. And uh, so I preached this in Wolfboro last week. And she, the week before that, she did, she taught out of John 15, 5, which is, I am the vine, you are the branches. So today, I'm sharing out of John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. For a little background, Jesus has rebuked the Pharisees for wanting to stone the woman caught in adultery. He's forgiven her and set her free with the words, neither do I condemn you, go. And from now on, sin no more. He begins, a, again, to address the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And some begin to believe him. So we're going to pick up on verse 28 in John 8. Um, there's a rather heated discussion going on. And they, they are pretty dumbfounded and stunned by what he has to say to them. So listen carefully and read along with me. And watch how you respond to what's being said. So in John 8, 28, So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he is saying these things, many believe in him. This is what scripture says. So watch the progression and slowly see what happens as they, they shift from there to somewhere else. And, you know, sometimes that happens to some of us. You know, when you first hear the things of God and then you begin to drift away from it or you hear it, it didn't take place in your heart, and then you come back again. And just consider Peter who, who walked with him and said, I will follow you to death. I will never desert you. And Jesus said, oh, yes, you will. Three times. And he did. But Jesus is I am. And that means now. And that means he doesn't ever change. And he's forever forgiving. Forever bringing us back. Redeeming us. And teaching us about what forgiveness really is. So we'll pick up again in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, 
If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father, that your father did, they said to him. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I come from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear the words to hear my words. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? A little bit of a switch here. They were believing him. They were awed at what he had to say. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my words, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are? They're saying to him. And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him as I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Can you imagine if you were told that your father was the devil? Can you think of what it would be like to everything you've done so far you thought was worshipped to who you thought was God and be told that you're right out of the pit of hell? Maybe you can understand why they picked up stones to throw at him. He was declaring that he was God, very God, the one they thought they had worshipped. Consider this. Either they had to believe him or they had to stone him for blasphemy. Two choices. Either he is the truth, he's speaking the truth, or he's a blasphemer. Before Abraham was, I am, the word rendered was and am are quite different. 
The one clause means Abraham was brought into being. And the other, I exist. The statement, therefore, is not that Christ came into existence before Abraham did, but that he never came into being at all, but existed before Abraham had a being. In other words, he existed before creation. He existed eternally. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Pretty astounding scripture. And I remember the first time I read it, put a big question mark right next to it. What in the world does that mean? In this sense, the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was doing. And that's why they picked up stones to throw at him. So we're going to switch gears here a little bit. You have a card that was handed out to you with the names of God on it. <coughs> I am, in the Hebrew language, is Y-H-W-H. Okay? And there are no vowels, and no one knows for sure how God pronounced it to Moses. It is so sacred that the Hebrews did not and do not pronounce it. Instead, other names are substituted for it. To guard against desecration, and against blasphemy. Here are some of the terms that um, were used to refer to YHWH. The mystic quadrilateral name, the unpronounced, the invisible, the unnamed. They're all terms that were merely designations of the tetragrammaton. Is <laughs> a big word for you, which appears 5,998 times in the Bible. Okay, so look at your card. Okay, and you see at the bottom, that's the tetragrammaton, the, the symbols. They, they're Hebrew, and you read them from uh, right to left, if anybody can read Hebrew here. And um, Jeremiah says, I have put my name in Shiloh forever. Shiloh is a, a town, a place. And when we were in um, Israel, um, we went into this little gift shop right, right next to where we're eating. And um, they had this picture, and I think, yeah, a picture of that. It was, um, I forget what they call it, but they fly over and take photographs, satellite, you know, images, aerial photographs, that's it. And I'm looking at it. I'm very interested in those anyways. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what in the world is that? And the man heard me, and he came over, and he began to explain to me that it is the name of God in the mountains of Shiloh, 10 miles long. That whole thing there is 10 miles long. And it covers from Shiloh to the next town, which I don't remember the name of. It is, it's the shadows of, of the mountain. And it's there forever, you know. Isn't that pretty cool that he said that? And we found that. And of course, we bought the picture. <laughs> YHWH is the most common transliteration of the tetragrammaton. So now, you know, when you hear that word now, you're going to say, wait a minute, I heard that word. Do you ever hear it said? Hardly ever, <laughs> I don't think. But um, with vowels, it's Yahweh, um, in which most Hebrews refer to him as Yahweh. And they, um, they use it when they pronounce this, if they ever do. Religiously observant Jews are forbidden to pronounce the name of God. And when reading the Torah, they use the word 
Adonai. So let's look at the names of God that I handed you. And you can read them with me. We'll just read that which is in blue, okay? El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Sidkanu, Jehovah Makadeshah, El Olam, Elohim, Kuna, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sabaoth. Before they were banished from the garden, God was known as Elohim, which is God. But after they were banished from the garden, there was a need for a new dimension in their relationship with God. And so it, it had to be redemptive because here they were outside and they needed to be redeemed. All of a sudden, they had sinned. And so they called him YHWH. Genesis 4.26 says, To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. The Message Bible says it this way. That's when men and women began praying and worshiping in the name of YHWH, or Yehovah, Yeshua, to the Greeks, Jesus, and to us. Abraham and the other patriarchs knew and were familiar with YHWH or Yahweh. Look at, let's look at the um, conversation between Moses and YHWH. Moses has seen the burning bush with, which does not get consumed and he stepped aside to see this strange sight. And the burning bush has begun to speak to Moses. Where was Moses from? Everybody? Egypt. So he spoke what language? Egyptian. And YHWH decided to send him to Pharaoh to deliver the Hebrews from the bondage of slavery. So read in Exodus 3, 13 through 15. Moses said to God, I, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you, sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the, to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. We already know that, because we read it, Jesus, in response to the Pharisees, answered, who do you think you are? That's just what they were saying to him. And they said, your father Abraham, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself away from the temple grounds. The violent response of the Jews to Jesus' I am statement indicates, indicates they clearly understood what he was declaring, that he was the eternal God incarnate. 
Jesus was equating himself with the I am God, title God referred to himself in Exodus 3.14. Look at what happens just before he is crucified and the, um, the power of the declared I am. In John 18, 2-6. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, who do you seek? Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And Jesus said to them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. There is power in that name. He did not take any of the other names of God. Look at the list again, okay? Elohim has sent you. El Shaddai has sent you. Now, can you imagine this, okay? They heard him uttering the name that no one spoke, the unpronounceable, the mystical, the invisible name, and they fell down under the power of God. Jesus used the phrase, I am, in seven other declarations about himself. In all seven, he combines I am with this tremendous metaphors which express his saving relationship towards the world. All appear in the book of John, and let's read them together. They're on the back side of the paper that I gave you, okay? We'll just read um, that which is written in red. We'll read it together, okay? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I was just having a conversation with Pastor Dick about preaching and I am and all of that, and he, he just kind of nonchalantly said, Jesus gave us back the name of God. Isn't that kind of cool? It was kind of like a revelation to me. It was like resonating in my heart. When I, he said that, I thought, wow. It, it was like it went off like a bomb, you know? In that revelation I was receiving, this Jesus gave us back the name of God. The ancients tried to protect the sacredness of his name, and they literally took it away instead. 5,989 times he's mentioned before Jesus' incarnation, okay? And in case some of you don't understand that word, our incarnation is the word that describes he became flesh and dwelt among us. The God who is spirit put on flesh as the only begotten son, son of God, and that's no little thing. The old, in the Old Testament, we were admonished to worship him and praise his name forever. And many of those 5,989 times that the word is, was, were, they were directed towards relationship, and yet they refused to use that name out of fear, just like when they were afraid to go to the top of the mountain, out of fear. No, 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 you go, Moses, you go, because it's pretty scary up there, all that fire and smoke. 
And uh, I'm going to read three scriptures out of the Old Testament. They're all in Malachi uh, about his name. Malachi 1.11, For from the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 2.2. 2. This is pretty critical. Listen to this. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart, his name. Malachi 3.16, which is one of my favorite scriptures, says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him, of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So whenever you're sitting around talking about Jesus, even right here and now, names are being written in a book of remembrance because we're talking about his name, Jesus. Then after 400 years of silence, an angel appeared to a young girl in Nazareth and tells her she will be the mother of the Messiah. And here it is in uh, Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. There is no mention of surprise in hearing that she was to name him the same name as God. Uh, and I believe the angel probably said Yeshua. And I don't think their family was used to that name, because they used every other name besides that to refer to him. Uh, how many of you have ever used Strong's Concordance? Oh, cool. Well, Strong, uh, James Strong is the guy's name, and he, he took every word in the English translation of the Bible and, and turned around, gave us the Hebrew and the Greek for it because there's no word-for-word um, -word translation between Hebrew and English or Greek. And so we have this wonderful book to refer to us, and, and some of you have it on your computers, so... You miss out on opening that great big thick book and looking up everywhere it says love, which I did as a new Christian. I remember being thrilled, and I'd stop and read the scriptures. You know, It was really fun as a new Christian to really kind of run through Strong's. So um, I'm going to read some letters, and they don't mean anything to you. It was my way of realizing the history of the name of Jesus. So in H3091, Jesus, that is Yehoshua, the name of our Lord. H3068 and 3467, Jehovah saved. Yehoshua, that is Joshua, the Jewish leader. H1961 is the self-existent or eternal Jehovah, the Jewish national name of God, Jehovah the Lord. And H3068 has the same meaning, and what they say, Jah, or J-A-H, which I, I know we've heard it before. My name's Yah. So how much do you like to hear your name? A lot? You like hearing your own name called? I'm one of 11 children, and there were six above me. So when my mother wanted to call my name, she called all six names before mine, and sometimes the names after. And I would let her. I wanted to hear my name. Come on, Mom. I know what she wanted me. But it was this thing about, I want to hear my name, not Gretchen, not Patty, not Cindy. I wanted to hear my name. And, you know, one of my deepest griefs 
in this life is a misuse of the name of God in any way. You know what? And TV's the worst. They're the worst. You know, they, they'll block out the F word and the C word and the S word and all these other things, but they don't block out when they say the name of Jesus. They don't. And it's so, so offensive to me. And I remember when I was a brand new Christian, I was visiting a couple of my sisters in the hospital. And um, they began to take the name of the Lord in vain. And I began to cry. I just began to weep. And I didn't do it on purpose. I had no idea that was going to happen to me. I was a brand new Christian, you know. And they were like, what's getting into you? What's with you, you know? And I, I didn't know what to say. I just said, I don't know. It's just so painful to hear you take his name in vain like that, you know? And they continued to make a little bit of fun of me. But you know what? They don't do that anymore. And many of them follow the Lord today. But that was way back. And it still, it still feels like that. There's something about the name of Jesus that is so precious and so sacred to us. And God would rather have it said. He's not afraid of having his name misused. He'd rather us call him by the name of Jesus. And probably the most observant thing about the use of the term I am is that um, it means present. It means he's not the past and not the future, but he is now. He exists now. He didn't just exist back then. He's not just a historical figure. He always has been, always will be. And he is here. He's here in the individuals, and he's here in this church. He is the incarnate Elohim, Jehovah, and every other name on this list. He is all those things. He is every one of them. But he's Savior, most of all. And you know what? Have you all had an opportunity to ask this present God to come and live in your heart, to be present with you forever? I'm going to ask all of you to stand, if you would, please. And I would like you to repeat after me. And whether you've never done this before and would like to do it now, I don't want anyone to do it if they really don't want to. But if you would like to know this present God as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to repeat, and, and everybody repeat it, because it's good. It's good to remind yourself of the commitment that you've made to this God who is everywhere at all times, the I am. So I want you to repeat after me. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior to set me free from my sins. I'm going to give you just a second here. I want you to just, you and God, just you and him, I want you to confess your sins. If you've never done it or if you've done it before and you know you need to get this off of your chest, I've got to tell you, God, I've got to confess this. I've got to get forgiveness now. I want you to do that. I'm going to give you a, a few moments of silence. Just go ahead and do that. Just you and him. He's faithful to forgive us, so you can repeat after me again. Okay, Jesus, I ask you to come and be my Lord and Savior. Come and dwell in my heart. 
I commit my life to you, to being your follower. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Amen.